Well, Will, it's a new year, 2021, and already, you know, everybody's been talking about, uh, they're hoping 2021 is going to be better than 2020. Um, big news, Will. Big news on the PBS front. I don't know if you heard about this. Mm. A uh, infamous <laughs> mammoth of the uh, the PBS Kids programming block uh, is leaving the station. Yes, in fact, I did see something about this. But uh, for those for those who may not know, why don't you why don't you break the news? Why don't you break the news gently? Well, so you know, because a lot of people they were lamenting, oh, 2021 was so bad. Uh, depending on your feelings, this might be getting the year off to a great start. Who knows? Uh, but yes, Kai Yu, the menace himself, will be leaving PBS. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that you kind of uh, that 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 was your intro because I was debating whether or not to kind of bring it up because, well, you know, Kai Yu, not not something that we've covered yet on the podcast, but a part of PBS history, all the same. It's true. It's it's kind of melancholy, right? Because it is a part of PBS yeah. history, uh, but it also might be the most contentious figure in children's television history. I think you might um, be right about that. Definitely in my personal life, if I was to ask, if I was to do kind of like a exit survey of every single parent I've ever met, uh, and who is their least favorite fictional character on children's television, I, I think Caillou would be somewhere near the top. <laughs> Yeah, he's certainly not very. He uh, his modern reputation, considering <laughs> that you and I are, we would have grown up with him around the right age. But he's kind of stuck around, and unfortunately, not not particularly well in the minds of children. Well, I, I you know I, maybe children are kinder to him. I don't know, but adults I, yeah, I definitely think really, not. I think that's the push and pull, right? Is that really small kids love Caillou, uh, but adults yeah. kind of I, never. Bef- no other children's character inspire. It, characters inspire such ire uh that caillou seems to so maybe now that he's you know departing the pbs i'm not sure if he's going over to greener pastures to another network or if caillou's coming to an end uh but something to tackle perhaps in a future episode of the patreon exclusive for the kids maybe and uh, we want to of course wish rest in peace or perhaps another p word <laughs> To, to Caillou, no matter how your feelings on him, he certainly made an impact uh, on children and adults the world around. We're breaking all kinds of PBS scoops here for the first episode of Elwood City Limits for the year 2021. Welcome, everybody. My name is Will Young, and of course, the uh, the newsman himself, Lucas Mancini, is here with me, too. Um, while we're on the topic, I guess now is a good time to talk about uh, when you're going to see some new Arthur episodes uh in 2021 and this one comes to us courtesy of someone who is actually one of our patrons the frensky star over on instagram bringing the hot the number scoop. One, yeah the number one place for arthur news in my opinion and they reported that the arthur season premiere will be coming up on march the 8th so mark your calendars and that one is going to feature a remake of the episode we haven't covered this yet uh, a remake of the episode the great mcgrady so thanks again to Frensky Star for breaking that news, and uh, we'll be uh, we we won't be covering it as it happens, but it'll be good if you're if you like the new Arthur episodes and you want to see what this remake is going to look like. We're certainly going to have to pay attention as well. I mean, it feels like it's been a long time since we've sat down to really talk about some Arthur, and we've had a f- couple of developments as well in just kind of our own lives. Of course, we went through Christmas, New Year's, and we survived 2020. Uh, I want to give a special thank you note to a couple of special listeners uh, who sent us in some holiday gifts. Thank you very much to Leanne, who sent Lucas and I a pair of Arthur pins. Uh, and I'm gonna—I'm actually going to get a cork board to put those pins on. It's not the first time we've received pins from listeners, and I want them to be uh, visible at all times. Yes, thank you so much. Now we have because we, originally we had those uh, DW pins as well, so now we got multiple pins. Uh, for kind of the lapel rota- rotation where we're trying to kind of show off our Arthur drip. Love a good pin and love a good Christmas card, which, Lucas, you haven't received yours yet because I'm going to be handing it to you myself. We both were uh, gifted uh, Christmas cards from Christine Wong, another one of our patrons. So I'll be very excited to give that to you. It was very nice to receive that in the mail. It's a very heartfelt 
uh, holiday message. So thank you, Christine, from both of us. We've been kind of trucking along. If you've been following the main feed, we dropped a commentary track for your Christmas. If you haven't listened to that yet, it's uh, perfectly good any time of the year, so you can check that out. Our patrons saw another commentary track as well, and we're going to be continuing with our Patreon content into the new year. But now we're back on the free feed, and it's time uh, that we address. <laughs> I feel bad that we made this person wait. Speaking of our patrons, uh, Lion Dog ZXA sent an email to ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com just under the wire of when we were <laughs> when we stopped answering emails for the year. So, uh, or I guess that would be over the wire. Like it, the door closed in front of them, and that was it until 2021. So I apologize, Lion Dog ZXA. For making you wait this long. Let's see what they have to say. Uh, this one is for Will, Lucas, and Mike. If he ever decides to reappear on the podcast. <laughs> I was so excited to see you reach season 11. I have some fond memories of watching these episodes as they released. I also remember watching the commercials that heavily focused on the season's guest star. And a character getting an adopted baby sister. Another interesting fact about the season is that a new in-between section temporarily re- replaced a word from us kids called Postcards from You, which we talked about in the last ECL episode. After season 12, it ended, and a word from us kids returned. With your review of Swept Away, I'm curious about your guys' preference in bad episodes. Do you prefer an episode that makes you angry or an episode that makes you bored? Merry Christmas, happy holidays. Uh, I was super excited when you recommended Arthur Christmas. That's one of my favorite Christmas films. Again, Sorry we didn't get to this in the season, uh, Lion Dogs that XA, but we appreciate it nonetheless. So, Lucas, when it comes to Bad Arthur episodes, do you prefer one that makes you angry or one that makes you bored? I love this question because I think my answer could be applied to my taste in pretty much all uh, kind of movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. which is that 10 out of 10 times I'm going to prefer angry to bored. I think that the, um, the worst sin a piece of media could commit is to bore me, right? I, I think uh, the worst Arthur episodes are the ones that are um, so boring that they're totally forgettable that we couldn't even list them. Um, at least the episodes that make us angry or deeply confused, uh, at least those ones are memorable in some way. And especially for the podcast purposes, they give us a lot to talk about. Whereas kind of the boring episodes end up just being us saying, yeah, we didn't really write down a lot of notes and then shrugging off, which doesn't make for the best audio content. So I know I personally prefer uh, the the anger-inducing ones. What about you, Will? And and the the anger-inducing ones they they spark your their your emotion. They appeal to your emotion. Mm, so mm. you know sometimes it's just nice to feel something, even if it is you know contempt <laughs> or dislike. <laughs> You're right. I agree with you. I I don't particularly like to feel bored. So I would much prefer an episode that made me angry. I mean, thankfully, in a way, we don't have a lot to be angry about when it comes to Arthur. Just every once in a while, we're maybe maybe a little frustrated with how an episode could have turned out. We've been bored as well, but I definitely uh, would would take the former rather than the latter. Well, thank you, Lion Dog, and uh, we're looking forward to, of course, all the emails that we're going to receive this year. Remember, it's elwoodcitylimits at gmail.com. Lion Dog ZXA is, of course, one of our wonderful patrons, and uh, we have a lot to thank them for, especially because um, I and this is you know this is the first episode of 2021. This is also the first episode that I am recording on my l- new laptop with my new copy of Adobe Audition. So thank that. you, thank you very much to the patrons who made that happen. That was our next goal, and we met it. So recording this on Adobe Audition, hopefully it'll sound a little bit better. I'll have to tinker with it for a little while to get it exactly where I want it to go because it's not. Uh, it's um, when was the last time I would have used Audition? Probably back in 2017 when wow. Lucas and I were still working at the radio station. The far flung past. How far we've come, Will. It's, Indeed. It's, it's very cyclical. And how far we will continue to go. And we want to thank uh, a lot of our other patrons as well. People like Michael Mendez. We want to thank as well Matt, Pretty Cool Stairs, Michaela Gibson, Rachel Pearson, Caitlin Harrington, Kaylin Krogal, Riley Stevens, Stella Froppy, Joe Sue, and more. Thank you all so much. We really appreciate um, everything that you guys do. And whether you're a patron or whether you are a uh, listener who has not donated to us. We appreciate your listenership all the same, which is why we want to make sure that uh, y'all are going to uh, 
well, get some quality entertainment. And I say it's time for us to talk about more Arthur. I actually missed this. I was watching the episode today, and I realized how much it, how long it's been since we talked about Arthur, just straight up Arthur. So I think no, it's, it's, it's high it's, time we get back to it. It's good to be back. I enjoyed doing the Patreon show, The For the Kids, but I, I think nothing compares uh, to everyone's favorite aardvark. So I, too, am excited to dive back in. And we, I believe we were we were blessed with uh with an with two episodes that i think are worth talking about let's start off with the f- first story called phony fern which actually starts within something of an imagination we have fern as a new detective character that she's workshopping um i had to look this up by the way thank you to the arthur wiki for being the source to many of to many answers that i need what am i saying what am i saying for answering the questions that I have in the run of an Arthur episode. That really stumped me for a second. So we have Fern here who is playing the detective Virgule Watteau and then George tagging along as Detective Watteau's assistant Bastings. Now, Will, what is this a parody of? Is this, um, what is it, Murder on the Orient Express, that guy? Yes, Hercule Poirot. So that is the, and and his uh, assistant Hastings is Poirot's assistant. So yeah, this is a, this is a takeoff of Poirot. And I I immediately heard it in Watteau. And I was like, okay, wait a second. I had to look up the name and the spelling and everything. Um, but of course, it's a parody of one like, of those many. Uh, <laughs> you were like, is, is, is Fern pretending to be that racist caricature from Star Wars Episode One? Uh, Watto? Yeah. No, not quite. Uh, yeah, the boy. Yeah. <laughs> what else does he say? What does Watto say? He just gets. Your Jedi oh, mind the... tricks do not work on me. I'm a Toydarian. <laughs> I don't even like you doing that voice, George no, it's, Lucas. It's, it's, that's it's pretty offensive. horrible. It is pretty horrible. <laughs> Or if, or if you're one of the, I don't know, two listeners who knows what New Japan Pro Wrestling is, I thought she was saying Master Watto. Mm. Anyway. Uh, no, it's it's this Detective Perot parody. For a second, because I wasn't sure what this was from, um, I was like, is this a parody? Only for a split second did I think this, and then my better senses took hold. But I was like, is this a parody of the, uh, you know, infamous Canadian, uh, former Prime Minister Stephen Harper's favorite television show, uh, Murdoch Mysteries, the CBC <laughs> original program about Canada's, quote-unquote, Canada's favorite detective. Because, uh, you know, the clothing would be era-appropriate. I think he also wears, like, a bowler cap. Um, but then, you know, half a second went by, and I realized that would be insane, Will. <laughs> I, What is Murdoch Mysteries? So like, I, think... I, 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 I'm, I only know the name. <laughs> well, okay, so it's like it's a it's a uh, what what is it called a, a periodical or a, it's it's period it's pe- those... period drama? No, no, no. It's like one of those shows where you know every episode it's like oh, dial oh, in for uh, murder uh, or uh... like a ser- like a serial. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so every episode, you know, Canada's favorite detective Murdoch has to solve another mystery. I I think that. That guy might have been actually like a real person, maybe in Canadian history, or maybe it's just based on like famous Canadian literature. I honestly have no idea. You want to talk about uh, boring? It seems like <laughs> the most boring TV show ever. Uh, all I know about it is that there's actually like an episode with former uh, Canadian Prime Minister Stephen Harper, like in the episode, because he loved Bird. He would talk about how he, it's his favorite show. He loves Murdoch mysteries. Good for him, I guess. I mean, I feel like I've heard a bit about it recently, and I'm like, I have no, I have no idea what this is. I, I, but, but it's like, it's one of those things where you, 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 when CBC has it on, you kind of go past it. It's like Murdoch Mysteries. We'll be right back, and I'm like, what yeah. is that? And I just never cared to find out. You're like, is this the guy from Newfoundland who's a detective? It's like, no, that's Republican Doyle. And. <laughs> Is this Which, is this is this the other guy? Is this the other guy who's like a lawyer? It's like no, that's Da Vinci's Inquest. That's Da Vinci's Inquest. Man, CBC is not going to stop until there is a detective style show for every province, eh? <laughs> I guess not, and or yeah, until until they until they thoroughly entertain our parents and grandparents out there for, for all of us Canadians. So yes, they they are doing this. They they're in this kind of dramatic situation where. Uh, this this person that they they've, they've been tailing is holding something out the window and is threatening to drop it, and then uh, Bastings accidentally sneezes, and the guy drops it anyway. And we and he he's like, oh, it's your best friend, Detective Watteau. Um, 
way to the grand Ma- way to the grand master master Watto. Uh, sorry, uh, and he accidentally drops it, and then uh, Fern goes outside and is in tears. She can't believe that she's lost her dearest friend. The Portal X 360 with wireless chat pack and 157 ringtones. It's like I a mean, it's like a cell phone. It almost looks like a BlackBerry, or or like a razor. Like it's the old flip phone style. Mm. Uh, very very Y two K. You know, I, I think that style of phone is like coming back as like a fashion piece. We'll talk about this a little bit later when uh, Muffy's got it like on a bracelet or something. But I think the Zoomers are very much into the Y two K aesthetic. Everybody's trying to dress like it's the early two thousands again. If you're a teenager, okay. uh, so these types of flip phones are like kind of coming back. Uh, or in, are in vogue again. Really? Okay, I would not seen that. But then again, I'm definitely not in that age range anymore. So to me, mm. it's just com- it's just hopelessly retro and uh, <laughs> way behind the times. And I guess we'll be talking about flip phones for a little while. So in the actual episode itself, by the way, Fern getting her own title card here, which I was very happy about, means that uh, hopefully we'll be seeing more of her. So Muffy and Fern go to a movie, and Muffy's a movie talker. Muffy's a yeah. big-time movie talker. Three steps forward. Uh, wait, no, two steps forward, <laughs> three steps back. So I, I think last time we talked, we were talking about how, like, wow, like, they're really doing great stuff with Muffy. You know, Muffy was kind of the last of the characters where we were like, oh, you know, Muffy's still kind of annoying in every episode, and they were mm. starting to rehabilitate the character and do interesting things with it. Well, this is probably... I'm going to go on record as saying this is the worst Muffy has ever looked in all of Arthur. This was like, I can, could you I imagine? Can, I, I, can, I can see why, because you, of course, are uh, quite the cinephile. And I think you would ha- you are particularly sensitive, shall we say, to this kind of uh, illicit behavior. Well, also, well, we just haven't been in movie theaters since the pandemic started. It's like, oh my <laughs> goodness, the joy of returning to the cinema. And then it's like, it's not that she just answered her phone. Okay, so first of all, the ringer is on, right? Insanity. And yeah, then she answers the phone call and Walt, sit- could you imagine if this happened to you in real life? Walt, sitting in the seat, proceeds to have a conversation with, what was it, her cousin? Who's in like... No, uh, not, not, not her cousin, her brother. Oh, her brother, who's uh, in in college out as... Okay, so we did get an interesting lore moment. This is the first time we've heard mention of Muffy's brother, which I wonder if he'll come into play later on. But that does not forgive, you know, Muffy yapping on on the phone in the middle of the film. Fern even says later on, she didn't even know how it ended. This is a... Yeah, this is a real real cinema sin right here. Oh, gosh. I was trying not to say it. (laughs) So yeah, M- Muffy talking with her brother Chip on the phone, and when they kind of they go to Chicken Lickin' afterwards, uh, the two of them, and uh, Fern's like, "Geez, Muffy, I really wish that you hadn't answered that phone call because I didn't see how the movie ended." And Muffy is completely smitten with her phone. In fact, she's texting Bailey, who's outside. So she's just completely oh, so Muffy. Zonked. Muffy, spo- Muffy spoils the movie for Fern. She goes, "Oh, the, the alpha died. <laughs> the alpha died. It was really sad." It's, it's, it's her crass summation of the movie. And Fern is just completely taken aback. This kind of leads her to see everywhere that it's it's like that Hideo Kojima meme of, it's because you be on that phone. Everybody be on that phone. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Everybody really do be on that phone. And that's when kind of the, the horrible truth started to dawn on me that this, this episode was going to be a lot of like – people really do be on their cell phone uh, kind of style of... It's like those um, those sort of posts you used to see, I feel like, circa just when the iPhone really started to blow up and become popular, where you'd see, like, people were putting stickers on playgrounds being, like, not available in the app store. Or there's that, like, infamous, like, cringy slam poetry video where the guy's like, iPhones, keep your eyes closed. Like, this is starting to descend in... in boomer territory of oh, just like man. wow or or like you know you see those illustrations all the time like boomer facebook where it's like someone's like 
their their bodies all hunched over and they're like phones like weighing them down and it's like sucking their attention and it's just like all oh, these people they're blind uh, <laughs> by their phones and I was like oh no this is what we're in for for this first episode it's funny it's funny you're right because we we get like a montage here of Fern and Buster kind of noticing everybody taking in with their phones by the way as we said before these are like flip phones so we're not we're not talking about the types of phones that you have on you right now like an iPhone or an Android or something that has you know apps and uh like games and stuff like that we're talking flip phones the most i could do on my first flip phone this is 2007 by the way so i was think i was on my first cell phone the most i could do with that was play snake so i was just gonna say yeah if you had the t-mobile sidekick you could play snake yeah um or yeah send t9 text messages so this is literally just like these dang teens are on their phones too much. And it's like, what are they doing? They're just talking to their friends. <laughs> like That's all they're doing on their phone. I know. Uh, it, and it's like, it's sooner than I, it's it's both sooner than I expected, but also inevitable that we were going to get this kind of Arthur episode. It's just like, I almost never thought that we would see the day, but 2007, mm. I guess, was the time to do it? Question mark. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, this is, Fern is very kind of technophobic of the, of the cell phones kind of, um, sway on everybody and it's it's a very you you kind of mentioned this Lucas it's a very quaint talking point of, of of a time when people were very very suspicious of cell phones not that you shouldn't be healthily healthily skeptical I suppose of cell phones but there was a time where there was a real mistrust of them where it's like you could you could feasibly get by without owning a phone like a cell phone Exactly, and 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 now that's just kind of like a laughable idea. Though it is funny. I better. I wonder if this episode uh, will come back in popularity with all the the kind of five G crowd uh, and Ugh. the five G hysteria. Like maybe if you if you overdubbed when when Buster's like freaking out about the cell phone uh, turning you into a cyborg or what have you, uh, you could make it all about five G. Let's not let's not let them find it then. I would rather that we didn't go through that. Anyway, uh, Fern is very she's you know she even goes so far as to say you'll never see me with one of those phones. But then of course her parents gift her a cell phone that is only to be used during emergencies. By the way, first appearance here of Fern's dad. Who Fern's uh, dad? Interesting, interesting fit. He's like wearing like a flight jacket with a shirt and tie. Um, so I, I I'm into it. Yeah, we don't exactly know. Uh, It's kind of hinted at that he travels for work, but we're not exactly sure what that entails. So there's there's a lot we don't know. In fact, for the longest time, I think we both would have figured that Fern was in a single-parent household because all we Mm. saw was her mother. But there we go. So her parents gift her with this, as we said before, the Portal X360, which is apparently quite a top-of-the-line model. And at first Fern's very resistant to it she can not really get it to work but Muffy is you know she even says like oh my gosh that's that's a great model of phone and oh and this is this is where we see Muffy's very like Y2K chic uh phone bracelet she's got her phone like around her wrist uh you know the the zoomers would love it this would blow up on TikTok and uh so the big thing here is well, we're in we're into this period of cell phones where some people have a mistrust of them and it's not it's not an accepted part of culture. Like a lot of people have it, but it's not to the degree that we have phones now. So what was the way that you personalized your phone back in these days? Well, children, it was all about the ringtones. Mm, mm, mm. The gummy bear, the hamster dance. Yeah. Um a little the guy cr- cr- known as I was just going to say, well, a little guy known as the Crazy Frog. Oh my, yes. Maybe you maybe you had like a Family Guy ringtone. Those are oh. those were those were the ads where you would text mm, a number mm, and mm. Uh, and get a certain ringtone, maybe from your favorite television show or what have you. So yeah, it was it was a weird time, and it really was like the biggest thing that you could do. I remember downloading a pack of like wrestling text tones and it was like, Oh, this is cool. And now of course you can do that pretty, pretty easily. My, um, uh, my landlord's ringtone is the Austin powers theme song. We heard it go <laughs> off in the hallway once. <laughs> what, a, what a thing to know, uh, baby. <laughs> no, but will, I, I got to ask, because the they're in third grade, right? And and I suppose that that's not unusual to get a cell phone if, much like Fred's parents say, you know, use it only for emergencies and that kind of stuff. But yes. when did you first get a cell phone? So my first one would have been a flip phone. 
mm-hmm. in high mm-hmm. school. No, mm-hmm. la- no, mm-hmm. no later than high school. I would say probably grade ten or eleven. So I would have been like fifteen or sixteen. That would have been was, my first. Uh, one. I was definitely like a late bloomer when it came to cell phones. I think a lot of people started getting them in grade six of elementary okay. school, uh, but I did not get a cell phone until the first iPhones were available. I've actually never had like a classic like T9 style flip phone. Um, I didn't start getting an, a, a cell phone until, yeah, the first iPhones were available, which I think was grade 10 or 11 um, okay. when I got like the, the iPhone 3G or what have you. So that's when I also was in high school. But it makes me wonder now, like I'm so far removed from uh, I don't really have any friends my age with kids. I don't really hang out with kids that much. I don't know when kids get phones these days. Like, are, are kids running around in elementary school with full-on iPhones? Like, I have no idea. I think it, of course, depends on, you know, what the parents feel is feel is right, as always. But I, I imagine that it's qu- quite a bit younger than it mm. was. I'm, I'm certain it was younger than when I was, than it, when I was, than when I was young. <laughs> um, so I would, my guess would be maybe junior high, if not maybe end of elementary. And I imagine that this is not a unusual method of gifting cell phones. Why, which I mean, well, this is for emergency use only, you know, you're not like, we're not giving you, uh, uh, you know, texting privileges or like games or anything like that. It's just for calling us if you need us. Mm-hmm. I wonder though, cause the kids probably want to play Fortnite on it or what have you. Um, I mean, yeah, totally. And you can absolutely get carried away with that. Get on, hop on Snapchat. There's there's no end to what kids probably want to use phones for. It's interesting. We'd have to like talk to someone who has a kid with <laughs> us <laughs> us two childless individuals. We really aren't experts on this subject. Do you have any like nieces or something? Do they oh, have of course they, of course they do. My niece my niece Elodie is is turning five this year. She doesn't have a cell phone yet. No. Okay. But she but she you knows she knows she might know her way around like an iPad or something. So True. I I I can imagine that maybe by the time she's in double digits, uh they might you know they might have maybe her first cell phone who knows but, that's, a, that's uh, yeah. a solid point uh, if i've learned anything from my coworkers in uh microsoft teams calls at work uh their kids know their way around an ipad because they're often kind of a uh, a little background easter egg as a kid playing fortnite or, or whatever they're doing on those ipads mm-hmm. and of course if this is a great thing if you're uh, listening to this and you have um you, you know any insight about mm. when when did you get a cell phone when are yeah. children in your life getting a cell phone i'd actually curious. really like to know so yeah uh, f- uh muffy kind of goes over uh the various ways in which fern can personalize her phone such as through a ringtone which is now set up for fern's like favorite detective show probably like that pbs one that she likes uh, to watch uh- I love the joke here where it was like these old cell phone menus are like really, really hard to navigate. Like Muffy's talking <laughs> through all these like weird sub menus that she has to go through to change yeah, the yeah, like, tone. Yeah, like settings, preferences, uh, tones, uh, text folder number two. It's just it's such it's such a labyrinth and it seems funny, but like that's really how it was at the time. So uh, it's not that unusual and it's a little bit more streamlined today. Uh, so quick, very quickly, Fern see Fern really turns around here, and we see that she becomes a little bit obsessed with her new phone. Her new phone, which is you know top of the line and has all the things that you would want it to have. It even interferes with uh, her little. So we see Fern and George kind of playing make believe together as those two characters from the opening. I thought this was really sweet because we've never seen Fern and George interact together before. And uh, so it seems that they both really enjoy playing this detective scenario with each other. And I thought that was nice. Uh, But it kind of gets in the way of the illusion that they're trying to create with that as Fern uses the phone to take a picture of evidence. Uh, Yes, a flip phone camera, which is every bit as bad as you think it would be. I trust me. Um so as 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 this kind of goes on, we get a little montage here of Fern constantly talking on the phone to Muffy and being updated on her life. I guess the message here is that Fern is becoming more vapid when she starts using her phone. Like she starts talking about Muffy's brother's relationship drama and like kind of just about basically anything. I guess is the idea. I I guess, but yeah, you're right. It's the, the reason we kind of have to preface it that way is it's not entirely clear. Like it, it, you are supposed to think that it's it's the photo is kind of corrupting Fern in some way, but it's it's not as obvious as we're kind of describing it. It's a little bit hard to kind of figure out what's going on. 
Because mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe what's going on with Muffy's brother? I want to know. Like, it's, it's interesting. <laughs> I do want to know more about Muffy's brother. And we also get a little song here, which is not usual. We don't always get a song in mm. Arthur, but we do get one here. Usually and, only in the movies. Yeah. And uh, it's Fern talking about her purple friend, which her cell phone is colored purple. And uh, they kind of do a little duet together. The phone uh, sang by Bruce Dinsmore. You can recognize if it's da- it's Dad Reed's voice. Uh, but yeah, just kind of this minute long song. Here, I'll uh, I'll uh, I'll play it for you. It's short enough. I never thought it could be true that I'd be so fond of you. I'm flesh and blood, and you're just a piece of plastic. But when I hear So yeah, that's the song, and uh, I mean, it's 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 fine. I don't really have any opinions on it as like a a song, but it's uh, it's kind of cool that it was in there, and it's an interesting an interesting creative flourish that I'm not used to all the time. And there's some pretty funny visual gags too. We got like Fern and her phone like spitting on a a grassy kind of mountain, very Broadway. Yes, it, it like it's very show tuney. Like yeah, you're absolutely you're absolutely right. So Fern is completely taken with her phone. Uh, she gets it taken away in class one day when she's using it under the table. Now, I was never one to kind of frig around with my phone in class, but I definitely uh, read comic books when I wasn't supposed to be. This is another thing that we got to tap into the listener's knowledge base. Like, what are what is the cell phone class rules that these days? Because I remember back when I was in high school, right, you weren't supposed to be using it during class, but everybody would be kind of, like, texting under the table at all times. I have no idea, like, have they changed the rules and, and uh, to update with just how much people use their phones these days? Like, do kids even bring a physical calculator to school anymore? I have no idea. It's got it's got to be pretty similar. It's it, I imagine it's probably along the lines of okay, you get your phone back at the end of class. But I know that I I know that there are some classes that do like a okay, everybody put their phones into the bucket at the beginning of class and you get them back at the end, sort of thing to just kind of head that off. Again, I know that we have some teachers who who listen. I don't I would I would be curious as to your uh, mm. methods mm. of um, keeping people's attention uh, in 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 lieu in the wake of cell phones so speaking please. speaking of teachers we get a, a joke that got me giggling which is when uh, mr rapper is like looking for fern's phone to give it back to her uh he like is sifting through uh, a bunch of different objects like miscellaneous things that are at his desk one of which is a list of buster's homework excuses right <laughs> not bad he even activates a cell phone security measure which i, I don't mm. know if that really exists but uh Oh, I, I don't know. I never had a phone like that that had a security feature. But it, uh, there's not, not to say it couldn't exist. Um, yeah, so Fern eventually is so taken in by her phone that she accidentally drops it in the street. We get this little gag where, like, a truck almost runs over it, but then it's fine, but then a steamroller runs over <laughs> yeah, it. Very Simpsons, right? That's very much like a Simpsons-style gag. Hilarious. Yeah, it is. You're right. And so Fern's uh, Fern's uh, cell phone is completely crushed, and she gets like a she does eventually get a replacement, but it's more like a brick. It's very utility uh, over um, you know uh, technology, I suppose. Uh, and this and eventually her kind of relationship with Muffy kind of stalls here because they're not talking over the phone all the time. Did you ever have like a cell phone friend, like somebody that you would constantly call? Uh, I mean, I what well, uh, call? Yeah, actually, yeah. There, there is people like when I was younger that I would have like long time, uh, like long phone conversations with. Um, but that's definitely mostly gone the wayside. I mean, I suppose 
every one of my friends was like that earlier in the pandemic when we were doing kind of calls over Discord and Zoom all the time. But it's been a minute since I've had a long phone conversation. That seems like very much like a 90s thing, right? Like sitting on your bed, talking on your phone, um, but mm. not so much anymore. Yeah, exactly. And um, so we end off the episode here with Fern and George playing playing their make-believe again and back to the way things were. Uh, Muffy is still very taken in by the cell phone and wouldn't call Fern's new cell phone even if she paid her. So very, very snobby about that. And Fern has some joke about, like, sometimes it's not the cell signals but the gray cells that matter. And it's just like, okay. I mean... <laughs> It's it's it, it's it's it fits with the message they're trying to get across, I suppose. But well, we'll t- we'll talk about how it lands. We'll talk a about bit it, yeah. Later. All right. Okay, so that is our Fern episode, which of course I'm always happy to receive. And now, after the break, we're going to talk a little bit more about the brain. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You could go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr. It's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new a bi-weekly PBS Kids review show as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review you can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord which me and Will like to post in from time to time and if you want that sweet sweet Elwood City Limits merch check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store you can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. Brain's shocking secret. Lucas, did you have any idea what this could be about? Yeah, so this episode starts with a a parody of All the President's Men, which is like a 70s, uh, like, paranoia drama about the journalists that under, uh, uh, like, figured out about the Watergate scandal. Oh, is is, is this, was it specifically a parody of that? Yeah, like, it's like Deep Throat. It's like specifically a parody of All the President's Men. Uh, This was like the last thing I expected to be in an Arthur episode. I had just watched that movie actually for the first time recently, uh, kind of at the the end of last year. Uh, So I was quite tickled by this. Uh, Great movie, by the way. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. Uh, really good but yeah so that's what and i i kind of love like political intrigue and drama so i loved this whole opening sequence where kind of the the conceit is that brain is the president or he's running for president um and he's got this kind of uh veneer of being the quote-unquote smartest president since thomas jefferson i think which is what buster who plays his kind of aide uh tells him and then uh we have uh prunella playing the part of deep throat from uh, all the president's men or the real life deep throat who is kind of meeting with these two journalists being muffy and francine uh saying that she has kind of secret that it, a, a secret information that is going to kind of blow that whole image wide open and so this was kind of the cold open for the episode i loved this <laughs> so this i mean we've talked before about like and uh, episode openings that immediately get your attention and i was definitely uh sitting up and paying full attention to what was happening on the screen so it's good that it's good that you have the context of all the president's men because i haven't seen that movie but i'm familiar with the situation uh that's what woodward and bernstein right yeah exactly exactly and it's um oh god i'm trying to remember who the other guy is that's not dustin hoffman i think is it redford wait no i think it might be i think it might be redford yeah i think redford's in that movie 
Anyway, we it's 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 we have all the characters and they're grown up. So I love this kind of stuff. So it's like Francine and Muffy. Uh, it is. Sneaking, it is. Sorry, it is Robert Redford. I just had to get that off my. Right, uh, sneaking into Brain's garage to try and find some incriminating evidence, and it's like grown up Francine who's become a journalist, and Muffy who is like her uh, associate. She says. And they're investigating something that happened to Brain in kindergarten. Brain, who is now President Alan Powers, uh, President of the United States. And like you said, Prunella is the Deep Throat-style whistleblower. And Arthur is working in President Powers' cabinet. And they whatever they find is apparently so big, it could take down the entire presidency. And President Powers is aware of this and is trying to get, is, is trying to get eyes on them. So, man, if only a presidency were this easy to bring down. <laughs> it's like true. It's, it's gotten a lot harder since the 70s. I feel like we would have done it by now. So, yeah, this is this is alluding to a big secret here. And, of course, it's just I always love seeing the characters in their, like, older, even though, of course, this isn't meant to be canon. The, it's so cool seeing them in just, like, older bodies, older voices. I don't know. It's just always really cool to me. So the actual episode has to do with, it starts with Principal Haney. He's putting up a display for a kindergarten teacher who is retiring. And so he's taking all of the classes that she has taught over the years in like this glass case um, presentation display for Mrs. Robertson. And then Brain sees a picture of a kindergarten class with him in it, but it's not the one that you might expect. It's uh, full of a lot of different kids, and Brain is really, really wants to get that picture out of that display. So he tries to distract Principal Haney by getting to show him uh, shadow puppets, because apparently Haney's really good at shadow puppets. Um, Mr. But, Haney even has a great line where he, kind of a callback to the intro where he goes, you know, you'll never know who become president one day. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, Brain is waylaid by Mr. Ratburn, who has him uh, kind of look at this. I, I, di- I didn't write it down, but this kind of esoteric um, interest that Mr. Ratburn has. He's like, I know that you would be the only other person interested in this, Brain. So uh, Brain is waylaid. And we get the big reveal here as Brain is... At Prunella's place, and he admits, and this is canon now, Brain is Prunella's age, but and should be in the same grade as her, should be in the fourth grade, but Brain flunked kindergarten. So much Crazy like Binky, ass. much like Binky, who has, is repeating the third grade, Brain was held back a year. So he and Binky are the same age, and they're also the same age as Prunella, but Brain should be in the fourth grade. Which I'm, I think this is super cool. I'm glad that they're yes. adding to the canon and doing like weird outside swings, even at this point in the show. Yeah, I mean, we'll talk about it when we're talking about our final thoughts of the episode. But we've been kind of lamenting. Uh, I think it was the last episode of Elwood City Limits where someone asked us who was our least favorite character, and I think we both said Brain. Um, and I think one of the reasons behind that is that the character's so one-dimensional, right? Like, he's like Sheldon Cooper yeah. from Big Bang. He's just smart, and they don't really do anything else with him. This is another dimension to the Brain character, right? We we now have a little bit more from his origin story. Uh, and so I this also piqued my interest as well. And I think this was a really good way to introduce this as well. Yes, absolutely. And uh, having Prunella kind of be the keeper of his secret and uh, Brain desperately wants to make sure that his friends in the third grade uh, don't find out about this because, of course, then his entire reputation may be in jeopardy. So Brain is trying to come up with schemes to get at that photo, and we actually see the brief return of his stick figure sketches, which we saw in the Crossing Guard episode of various theories he has of what he can do to get the photo, including creating a drilling machine to steal it back, which accidentally ends up going into Mr. Haney's kitchen. This is not the first time he's tried to solve a problem with a drilling machine, right? Like, I feel like we've seen this plan for Brain uh, executed elsewhere. Specifically a drilling machine? Maybe. It's not coming to me right now. Like, in the episode where him and uh, Francine are getting revenge on Muffy, remember when Brain becomes revenge-obsessed? I know he, like, shoots a missile at her house that has, like... Uh, there, there's that part where there's, like, a missile on his her front door, but also, wasn't there, like, a drilling machine as well? Maybe. I mean, I don't specifically remember that, but I don't want to I don't want to say definitively yes or no because I'll have to really think about it. Brain is really trying to make sure nobody sees 
that he was in this. And I mean, you can clearly see that it's him. In fact, he's almost, it's actually really cool seeing the, the kindergarten uh, uh, photos back to back of like Mr. Ratburn's class. And then what would, what's supposed to be brain and Prunella's class. Um, but eventually it comes out, they see his photo in the display and brain sort of admits that he was held back a year because there's, there's no way he can lie about that, but he lies about the reason which eventually he says he was held back because he's a genius. That's right. He states that, well, so first, before he says that, uh, the only person to come to Brain's defense is, of course, the other student that was held back a year, except it was the year of the third grade, not kindergarten, Binky. Uh, Yeah. And Binky uh, says, you know, you you guys shouldn't be so mean to Brain, and then he turns to Brain and he goes, us flunkers, we need to stick together. (laughs) Uh, I had that written down, too. Yeah, and so and so Binky comes to Braid's defense, but kind of Braid shoots that idea down, and then once and to get everybody to get off his back, he explains that you know many geniuses uh, had trouble in school when they were younger, which is also kind of true uh, because they were bored the whole time, and so that's kind of his excuse for being held back in kindergarten is that he's a genius like Einstein or something. Yes, but Binky then takes this to mean that because he is also bored in school, and he was held back a year. And that means that Binky is a genius too. That's right. So Binky describes himself as Mister Bored. (laughs) (laughs) So this whole the rest of the episode kind of takes a bit of a left turn here because we start focusing on the fact that Binky thinks that he is also a genius along the levels of the brain. In fact, Binky just ends up co-opting the name the brain from Brain. Yes. Uh, Like eventually they like him and Brain sort of sort of become a little bit attached here and uh as they're playing what binky calls ninja chess uh he realizes that he's going to need a name to uh now that he's a genius so he decides to call him he's like i need a name like yours brain what about the brain <laughs> and brain's like that's my name and just like yeah but i like it so binky just takes it and well, then, not, only, not only does he just take it, so he ge- he gives Brain a new name to go by, which is the esophagus. <laughs> which I guess is relatively close to the... It's it's a bit of a mouthful, uh, no pun intended. And Brain just kind of takes it lying down. Like, he's, he's just like, yeah, all right, whatever. And Binky becomes the new Brain. Uh, <laughs> so this is becoming a bit of a situation. Brain, of course has is dug himself deep with this lie and he needs to come clean or else he won't be the brain anymore. He, he's try still confiding in Prunella about this. Uh, he's trying to kind of steer Binky off the scent. We even get like a little, a little cutaway. This was really not very long, but brain imagines what it would be like if Binky were held back 32 times in third grade. <laughs> and this is another, this is not, this is a great episode for the regular Arthur voice cast getting to use their lower registers. So like the way Bruce Dinsmore normally voices Binky, he's a little bit a little bit higher pitched. But then we like flash forward thirty two years to when Binky would be, um, uh, uh, forty years old in third grade, and he's got a mustache. Uh, looks a little Italian here, and he's got this weird futuristic getup on, and and he's just like, yeah, I've been held back for thirty two years. And it's like <laughs> Binky's lower register. It's actually really great. Um, there's also a couple of instances here in the episode where Brain is listening to his number one and number two voices in his head, which are mainly just trying to get him to cave to his selfish uh, urges in order to mm. protect himself yeah. at this all is, costs. This is funny because usually when there's like voices in a character's head like this on either shoulder, they have opposing views, right? There's like an angel and a devil. But Brain number one and number two are just trying to get him to like follow his worst impulses. <laughs> So eventually, Brain decides that he wants to try and activate Binky's gene, basically the genius part of his brain, and to try and make him smarter. Essentially, so they spend some time well, going over some brain teasers together. Bit, it's a little bit of column A and column B, right? He's he's and initially what he's trying to do with Binky is to tr- like tire him out. Like his plan is like to show him that being a genius isn't all it's cracked up to be. So he's gonna like make him do all this homework and and make him do all this stuff to sort of. Get him, like you said, get him off the scent. 
well right and and he also he also mentions that you know it's being a genius is not so much about concentration it's about perspiration and the joke is that binky is like oh well i I sweat all the time so (laughs) i must be a genius but you're right he's trying to kind of essentially short out his brain not literally but just kind of yeah throw him off the scent of being a genius as binky defines himself but eventually, uh, he has to come clean as Brain sees Prunella talking with his friends and thinks that Prunella is spilling secrets for no real reason. And it's just Prunella talking about the new Henry Screever. And then Brain eventually ends up blurting out that the reason he was held back was because he wasn't emotionally ready for mm. being in school. He, and a, he, and he, he was a crier. He, he was a crier. Now, this is, we've already kind of, we're, we're fielding a lot of questions here, where we're farming a lot of questions to our listeners this week. And I again, I know we have a lot of teachers who are listeners, or a few at least. So, is this a valid reason to hold somebody back a grade, especially that young? Like, is that, like, I genuinely don't know. I'm not saying it's right or it's wrong. It's just, immediately when it was like, okay, brain was held back in kindergarten. I was like, why? He wasn't smart enough. And then it's like, no, he wasn't emotionally ready. We don't really get a lot of explanation. Honestly, we get, he was a crier and something about his emotional readiness or lack thereof, but that's about it. And I'm just like, I need a little bit more. Like what's going on here? Is this, is this valid? It's interesting. And then we actually get this really touching moment from Binky right after that where Binky's sort of talking about, you know, Brain, nothing wrong with being a crier. I cry to this day. Uh, right. And so yeah. Binky continues to support Brain uh, even when he learns that it's not just geniuses who flunk. Right. And, of course, Binky, Binky's sensitive and in touch with his emotions, yeah. so not afraid to admit that he's he, he cries as well. But that's kind of so this ends really abruptly like we're talking about the conversation this is like there's like a minute left in the episode after this so brain ends up admitting that he was a crier he was held back in kindergarten and he kind of confides that to binky as well and that doesn't mean that binky is a genius but then they kind of end up walking into the sunset together and brain is like if it's like i'm gonna make sure that we both pass third grade so neither of us are held back and there's a little bit of brain ends up accepting the brotherhood of two people who were held back in school but it, very very abrupt like i was i was like okay we clearly have more to go in this episode it's like oh it's over oh one uh, more thing okay. i want to touch on in this final sequence uh before yes. we move on to final thoughts is uh, there's this kind of, and it's, it's a very light element. They don't do a lot with it in the episode, but it's still present, is that Brain sort of has this kind of paranoia about the whole thing, right? That's, yes. I, it, it's its main source of anxiety is that the students are gonna, the other students are going to figure out that he was held back. Uh, but something that starts to grow over the course of the episode is that he thinks like everyone's talking about him behind his back. So this all kind of comes to the head in this final sequence where uh, Purnell is talking about Henry Screever and he's seeing her talk to a big group out the window and his paranoia gets the better of him. And that's what causes him to run out. I just thought it was interesting, you know, considering that the movie... Uh, that was being parodied in the opening sequence is a 70s paranoia thriller. Um, it's just an interesting kind of, you know, through line throughout the episode. I'm glad you picked up on that. And, and yes, you're right. That's something that we kind of didn't touch on was that those voices in his head are very much saying, like, everybody's make, everybody's talking about you. Everybody's making fun of you. You have to do this. You have to do this. And, like, acting on panic, essentially, which is funny because we're normally used to that from Arthur. Like, uh, Arthur is the one that really gets paranoid and anxious about things. And Brain, I suppose, has had his moments as well. But it's just funny to see that kind of being his thing rather than Arthur's thing. But eventually it's okay, and Brain and Binky end up stronger friends because of it, I suppose. So let's talk about this. I think that there's definitely ways to feel, let's say, about both of these episodes. So let's go back to Phony Fern. Lucas, this is a this is kind of a but a message episode that's a little heavy handed. So how did it how did it come across to you? Yeah, and I I totally agree with you about it being heavy handed. Will I'm kind of torn about this episode because there's absolutely like stuff to enjoy here. There's really funny moments. Um, lots of great lines from Buster, uh, any, there was good jokes with Mr. Rapper and even good jokes with Fern herself and Muffy. Um, but that aside, uh, it's, I think this is a unique case because usually with an Arthur episode, 
we either say, oh, you know, the moral wasn't really clear on this one. Um, it didn't really kind of accomplish what it was trying to accomplish uh, through the narrative, or it doesn't really have a moral. This is kind of the rare case where it has a moral and it says what it needs to say. I just don't really agree. I like staunchly disagree with kind of the worldview mm. this episode is putting forward. It mm-hmm. totally reminds me of like, all, like we were talking about over the top, all these like archaic images of people being like people being chained to their phone. It's, it's brainwashing you kids these days. They just look at their phone. You know, what these kids are doing is talking to one another and communicating with one another over text message, and which is, in my mind, nothing but positive. Like, sure, balance in all things. Like, you should probably... I'd be annoyed if my kid was, like, using their phone at the dinner table, perhaps, if we're having, like, a family dinner. But in your personal life, you know, I think it's good to stay in contact with your friends. And I, I think this has just become a part of everyday life now. Uh, I would go as far as to say, this is... I got t- two big kind of proclamations with both of these episodes today, but my one for Phony Fern is this may be the most dated episode of Arthur ever. I, I find even with the mm. episodes of Arthur that tackle fads, um, the fads are kind of original enough uh, that they can be applied to many different things in many different eras. Uh, but the fact that this episode's around all about flip phones uh, just so dates this episode and, and makes this episode... Uh, so many Arthur episodes are so timeless with the way they, they kind of use their moral and their imagery. This episode, not so much. I, I think, like, if you were to show this episode to a kid, they'd be confused. Uh, and so I think that really hurts it. Um, and it also kind of, this might be, it, it, it's kind of cringy, Will. I'd go as far as to say it's a little bit cringy. Uh, mm. But what were your thoughts? Well, it's funny we talked about at uh, the, the beginning, kind of where we like to talk about news, an episode coming up where they're going to be remaking it. And I feel like this is definitely a candidate for a remake as well, because I, th- I think you make really a lot of really good points in terms of how dated this episode is and how the, a lot of the messages in it kind of don't apply anymore. And the way that it goes about talking about how cell phones can be... I, th- I mean, I think that to a degree that is true, that phones... You can definitely be addicted to phones in Mm -hmm. one way or another. People can be addicted to apps. They can be addicted to games or whatever. And it's important. I think that the the idea behind being self, being technology literate at a young age is important and realizing what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate and learning how to navigate social situations because of it uh, and with your cell phone is important. But it's changed so much in the ensuing now 14 years since this episode aired that a lot of this kind of doesn't, like, you kind of don't need to know this anymore. Like, there's different stuff that you need to know now about owning a cell phone when yeah. you're young. Snapchat, this really Instagram, this. like, this is just about texting. I don't think kids text each other anymore. Well, and I mean, I, I, I mean, honestly, I don't know, but I mean, not so much about texting. It's more, it's even more about calling. And I definitely don't think kids call each other anymore. So this uh, already, it's just like, okay, well, that's not really an issue at at this point. Ringtones, like there's a lot about ringtones in here, which also dates it. And I don't think really, that's not really something you care about after a while. Like I could, I could really care. I could not care less what my ringtone is right now. Um, I know I'm speaking as a 30 year old, but I feel like, again, it's just like not something that is like the coolest thing in the world about owning a phone today. So dated. Yes, it is kind of interesting to see that Arthur was a show to tackle um, phone ownership at a time when it wasn't an accepted standard just yet. I think there were still a lot of people who own cell phones, but it wasn't like to the degree that people own phones now. So like we don't really even really call them cell phones anymore. The you know, we call we just call them phones, your phone versus back then, you know, rotary like like um home phones were still a thing, you know. That's right. So and, I, it, and I don't have I don't I, I don't think I could name a single peer that owns a home phone. No, me neither. So yeah, it's a little bit a little bit strange, a little bit odd. I did I mean, I cannot complain that it's a fern episode. I really appreciated that. They even they seem to put a lot of work into it, especially with creating a song, uh, doing like a a detective parody for Fern to do. And it's just like it's clear that a lot of thought went into this. It just so happens that the message behind it and, and as and as well as not really holding up to time, I felt it was kind of beating you over the head with it so by the end of it it was just like okay i get it i get it uh but you know not exactly the most subtle point and i just feel like there are better ways to go about this and honestly i wouldn't want 
a television show to be where my kids learn about appropriate phone use. I would want to be able to tell them myself. So, yeah, it's it's a hard kind of needle to thread, and I don't think that they necessarily did it, but I don't begrudge them for trying. And it was, you know, not an unentertaining episode. And then with the um, with the brain episode, um, brain secret, like it's almost barely an episode. Like, and I don't mean that to be insulting. It's just that I kind of thought there was going to be more to it than this. I liked we 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 talked about it before. I like the deepening of the lore. I like this little wrinkle for the character that you don't you didn't see coming, but it was always kind of there. Like you can always make the argument. Excuse me. Like this isn't coming out of nowhere. Like we like literally in the Fern story, it's like oh Muffy has a brother named Chip who we've like maybe see, maybe heard about once before. I don't think so, but it's like kind of invented for right here. Versus you could infer that Brain has always been held back in kindergarten. He's always been a little bit bigger than the other kids, and his voice his voice at times has been a bit deeper. So I, I, you I mean, could, you could infer he, that he's a bit he older. He even says it's his origin story. He goes, "People didn't start calling me the Brain." until I got hauled back and you could infer that that's because he knew all the material already. Like that's right? why he was yes. so gifted in the early years. And that's why he seemed so smart to the other kids is because he got held back. Right. Exactly. So I think that that's a really cool wrinkle to add, but then they like the, they do that for the first half of the episode and then the focus switches to Binky. And I feel like we kind of lose our way a little bit because the Binky stuff is like kind of funny but it wasn't as engaging. I was like, I wanted to kind of get back to like, so how does his brain feel about being held back? Can you talk a little bit more about why he's held back? How do his friends feel about that? They're just finding out this new piece of information about their friend. But we never really get into that. And that's like that's kind of it about that. The episode resolves once they find out why he was held back. And then it, like a minute afterwards, it's over. So I felt like there was more to be said about it. And I feel like we're probably not going to be doing another episode about it. So I'm I'm disappointed. I find this episode a little disappointing. It gave me a lot of cool information to think about and want to know more about, and it didn't give me more. So I'm left I'm left wanting. So I I agree uh, in that I I don't I do think the episode. Uh, I, this is what I think is the problem with Brain Shocking Secret is that it it's actually trying for too much. Um, and that's also kind of why I like the episode. So there's basically kind of three or or more so two things going on, right? There's Brain and his, his paranoia over um, being discovered as being held back a grade and then all the implications of that, like you said. And then there's this stuff in the second half of Binky uh, and Binky thinking he's a genius and, and sort of Brain uh, that kind of reflecting back brains lie. Right. Um, yeah. and I think the problem is it's, it's, I think it's really interesting that they're doing these two things, but I think you're right in that they just simply didn't have enough time to tell both of those stories. And so everything kind of gets wrapped up in the last 30 seconds and it happens so quickly that you're, you're not able to kind of absorb it all or, or they don't even give a proper explanation. But with that aside, I actually really did like this episode. I would go as far as to say this is one of oh. my all-time favorite brain episodes, um, oh. which there, there isn't many. Uh, because, I one, I liked the buddy dynamic, the odd couple dynamic of Brain and Binky. I think they're two characters that, whether or not Brain brings out the best of Binky, Binky definitely brings out the best of Brain. Um, and it was, it was just refreshing to see an episode for once where you know, at the conclusion, instead of like cringing or shaking my head at Brain being a know-it-all, you know, where we leave this episode is that Brain says, you know what, Binky, I'm not going to look down on you. I'm going to actually help you. And, you know, we're going to make it through the fourth grade together as they walk off into the sunset. And I was like, you know what, this is like a really good use of the Brain character. And then there's all that other stuff we've, we've already kind of talked about ad nauseum is how interesting the kind of the start of the episode is and how it kind of fills in all these blanks we had with the Brain character. Um, that in like all the comedy with, with Binky and Binky thinking he was a genius, I think really worked for me. Um, so yeah, I, I also agree that it's not a perfect episode and I, I think that it's kind of hamstrung by the running time, but I actually really liked what we had and I thought I was really entertained by it. Well, I'm glad for that. It, yeah, it, it didn't quite connect with me in the way that it did for you, but, uh, I am glad that one of us got a little something out of it and I am... I'm happy for what we've added to the world. Mm. So the, the, there, there is that. 
And there you have it. We're back on the Arthur train, and I'm happy to be there, and happy that you're there with us, too. So thanks a lot for joining us for this episode of ECL, Hellwood City Limits. Uh, of course, we do have a bi-weekly PBS Kids podcast where we talk about a PBS Kids show uh, that may have been around the same time as Arthur, before or after, well, actually, nothing's after Arthur, so before Arthur, and uh, it's called uh, For the Kids, a PBS Kids podcast, and that is available exclusively on our Patreon, and next week is going to be no different. We are going to be tackling a the Teletubbies kind of side series, the side call to Teletubbies. I believe the same studio did it, and uh, I'm not exactly thrilled about it, but we are going to be talking about Booba. That's right. We are Lucas, we are entering the Booba zone. Buckle up, folks, because uh, we're on a one-way ticket to the Booba zone. And then we will be back for two weeks from now for another episode of Elwood City Limits, and that will be going up for everybody. And this time, we are going to be covering, it looks like we are going to be going back to another character that maybe we uh, have maybe differing feelings on, or maybe we feel the same way, but not exactly positively. We're going to be going back, and we're going to be exploring Baby Kate and the Imaginary Mystery, followed by Strangers on a Train. So we'll have to see what baby Kate has in store for us uh, when we return. Hopefully, uh, I mean, hopefully Pal gets in on this at some point. Maybe we'll meet another animal that we haven't seen in a long time. Who's to say? Um, there's a lot of possibilities when we when we go to an episode that embraces all of the weirdness of Arthur. And who knows? Maybe we might even like it. Thanks a lot, everybody. We appreciate you sticking around with us into 2021. Lucas, it's good to hear from you again. It was uh, uh, it was a long break, and I'm glad that we're back back in the saddle once again. Yes, ditto. 2021. You know, let's let's make it a better year, and and maybe Arthur will have some fun things in store. Who knows? 2020 was actually a gr- was a gr- indeed a great year for the podcast, which was unusual given everything else that was going on. And we're hoping to make 2021 just as good, if not better. And that starts with you. So thank you very much again for listening. We really appreciate you being here. My name's Will Young, and for Lucas Mancini, us flunkers need to stick together. <laughs> it's a good line, so I don't I don't I don't blame you using it again. We will see you next time.